Bowlers. Up, bowlers. Are you looking to gain mental focus over your competition? Do you ever need that extra burst of all natural energy during league play? MindFrame is the first all natural supplement packed with vitamins and all natural ingredients to keep bowlers at the top of their game. Supports muscle recovery and joint support for the day after that long tournament. You cannot continue to neglect your most important tool, your body, if you want to win. Experience the striking power of MindFrame. Visit s3direct.com. That's s3direct.com. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us this morning is Tommy Dulutz, PBA great. Uh, Tommy, I've always been a little curious. They call you Tommy Dulutz, and as you know, a lot of people call me Joey Serrar. Um, the only abnormal one with us today is evidently Tim Berg, since he's not Timmy. How did that name come about? I had no choice. I was born, and they just gave me that name. It's my parents. <laughs> I mean, it's... That's a birth name, and just this Thomas turns to Tom, Tommy. I don't. It's, it's whatever you call me. I'll turn around. You know, as long as you get the name right. It's there's no great uh, mystery behind the name, or I'm just a junior, so blame my dad for any kind of uh, weird names. Well, see, see that that's kind of my story too. My dad is Joe, and you know he's always been affectionately known as Joe Senior or just Senior, and I think to avoid confusion. Uh, especially since him and I worked together, I just all of a sudden became Joey, 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 instead of Junior. Uh, so it's kind of a similar story for you as well? Uh, I don't even know what the what the metamorphosis was from Thomas to Tom to Tommy. It's whatever fits. Um, I, it's, there's no story behind it. There weren't multiple Toms or Thomases around. My dad was actually, his nickname was Lou, so there was never any confusion between either one of us. There's no great big story behind a name. Okay, well, that, I just wanted to kind of clear that up and let our listeners know. Because normally the, the metamorphosis uh, trend is you go from Tommy to Tom to Thomas, and in your case it kind of went the opposite way. But, uh, again, I've always been a fan, and I'm sure Tim is as well. Uh, you got one of the prettiest swings in bowling. I've, I've always really admired your kind of a little bit of an outside-in swing uh, where it doesn't wrap behind your back, which mine does at times. Uh, how did that develop? Was that coaching, or was that you know instinctive to it, you, or uh, can you kind of explain that? Up, growing up on the East Coast, I grew up on uh, pure friction. You know, it, it was it pure hooked. Everything hooked. So, um, you know, I, when I went on tour, you know, my swing was pretty much a mess, and I could, um, I was really good at going, you know, up the gutter, or right of five, and then I was really good at playing deep inside, but different angles and stuff I was, I was a little bit uh, in trouble with. And then uh, Billy Hall and, and, and Norm and, and BV, they they kind of took me as a personal project and they changed my swing around a, a bunch. And after that, I was pretty much off to the races. So you'll see me going from breaking even for five years of my career to being in the, the top 20 points. And a, a lot of it had to do with them uh, changing my swing around. If you watch... If you watch Norm's DVD or you watch Danny Wiseman or you watch myself now, you'll all see that kind of, especially when we're, we were hooking it, 
We all have that same tuck, and we all pretty much come from that Billy Hall coaching tree. So even if you take a lesson with one of us through right now, you're going to hear the same kind of verbatim, the same um, coaching philosophies, and a, a lot of it's got to do with Billy resurrecting. Uh, I don't even say resurrecting. I didn't really, really have much of a career, uh, but he pretty much put me on the, 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 the path as far as changing my swing around. So, so does Billy Hall get ten percent the rest of uh, your your career, or no? But and, and I, I, I have and I haven't seen Billy in a, in, a, in ages. So, I, <laughs> at the very minimum, if he pops into New York or he hears this, he, he's got a, a a hell of a dinner, or at least at the very minimum, coming his way. So, you know, in in detail, Tommy, how did he change? Did he change your push away? Did he change your your opening and closing of the shoulders? Uh, did did he do it some uh, other way with your feet? It, a lot of it's got to do with how the ball enters. My my swing. If, if you there's probably no old video of it. You know, if you watch if you watch your um, YouTube Bush Soper, um, the, the swing actually goes outside of his body, and you'll see at, at the point of explosion, point of release, the ball is going from from west to east where you're pretty limited when that happens and and now it's pretty limited and now um uh, no matter what i do i can't get my my swing to this day i still can't get my 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 ball to tuck behind my head um as every power player doesn't have it come down um straight behind the body into almost right at their left ankle my swing still doesn't do that i can't get so i have to kind of trick it and i do it more with push away and then I pop my hips so when my ball loaded on the way down, it got into the same swing plane as all the successful power players. Well, Tommy, speaking of coaching, you yourself are a silver uh, certified coach. What is one thing that you consistently see that bowlers need to work on to help them take their bowling game to the next level? I wish it was as simple as that as, you know, just the stamp that everybody likes, you know, do this and there's a quick path. Just like bowling is a very individualistic sport, people have their own unique and individualistic problems. Um, there's, I wish there was one simple thing that everybody did wrong. Um, a lot of it's got to do with swing management, um, working on grab spots um, at the end of their at the end of their forward motion, that, uh, which is the push away, and at the at the top at the at the conclusion of the backswing, there are those grab points where most non-professionals. Um, and I don't just include PV members, you know, professional amateurs. Um, they, they grab at those two joints every single time. And that's what, especially on sports shots, you'll see um, the, the, the averages really plummet. Well, you know, Tommy, I've been a long proponent of zero grip pressure, at least trying to reach near zero grip pressure throughout your swing and release. And that doesn't mean, at least I stress this to customers, that doesn't mean you can't be an aggressive player or accelerate through the release zone, but what it does mean is you don't want to be grabby through the release zone. Uh, do you adhere to that philosophy? I, you know, I've been, I guess I've kind of been bowling less where I have no concept of squeezing. If anything, I'll go the other way and I'll miss hit it because my hand is, is really relaxed. And I'll and I'll and I'll steal it from um, Billy again. You use your off hand. You use your left hand to get that ball into your swing. That releases a, a huge, huge, huge amount of the tension in, in your right or well, if you're right handed, in, in your grip hand. Um, if you use your off hand to support a lot of the weight and get the ball, use that to get the ball into your swing. Well, that trains your your right hand. Oh, I keep using right handed. Sorry, lefties. Um, that, that that trains your bowling hand to relax in the ball. Um, it's it's the use use of the offhand is just so important to have a 
a, a loose swing and a, and a loose release. And and so have you made any modifications, say, in your your drilling procedures over the years? Say, in the last five or ten years, such as with your span or your pitches. I, I went on tour in nineteen ninety um, or ninety one, uh, ninety one, and uh, I changed my span uh, within six months of going on tour. And to this day, I have the same span. I think I I I, I um, changed my thumb pitch to uh, an eighth slower. Uh, back in '04, when I had wrist surgery, just to hold on to it a little bit more. That's about it. And and uh, getting into your your wrist surgery, what caused that wrist injury? It was uh, according to my wrist doctor, it was a repetitive motion. He says that I, I tore the a TFCC tendon um, back in '04, and um, and I was out for a full year. It's the the, the wrist. Surgeon I had, Dr. Posner, said it was really common with pitchers and tennis players because it's a repetitive motion. Um, and it's, he had a, he did a, I was pretty much, I thought I was done as far as bowling goes because my wrist was, it was really, really bad. And he did a great job. And, um, you know, I got another four years of bowling on tour before my knees, before my knees tapped out. Well, Tommy, you did. You talk about your injuries, and they did cut your PBA career a little bit short. But you seem to have really made a great transition to life after bowling. What was the hardest part of that transition? I, I miss bowling. You know, I had I had microfracture surgery three times on three different joints: my right knee, my left hip, and my left knee. I got hurt in uh, um, uh, in rehab twice. So I, as during when I was trying to make a comeback, and uh, now I pretty much have to tap. I can't, you know, I can't competitively bowl anymore. Um, usually, an athlete has microfracture surgery. Just one of them—that's a death blow. Just look at you know Grady Sizemore. Um, the, you know he isn't anywhere close to the same um, outfields that he is. He's an outfielder for the Indians, and I had it done three times. So uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to come back just to where I, you know I, I miss bowling. I've been bowling since I was three and a half, so I've, it's, it's kind of ingrained in as part of my my, my my entire being. I miss throwing a ball down the line. Not for not much on tour, you know. The, the traveling at the end kind of kind of sucked. I wasn't really digging the travel, but you know, I was actually I was actually psyched for this World Series of Bowling. The thing that I hated about the tour at the end was all the travel. To be in the same city for six weeks, or, or you know, in bowl all these tournaments, uh, that was actually something that was exciting to me. I was I was actually looking forward to it. But yeah, uh, I, I I agree, Tommy, with the travel aspect of. Uh... You know, I think any job or business you're in, it kind of wears you down a little bit, and uh, you know, it's a little mundane. And you know, driving long distances or waiting in airports kind of sucks. But but when, once you get there, it's all worth it. Yeah, exactly. And I always teased uh, one of my best friends in the world, uh, John Burkett. He was, um, he pitched for the Rangers and the and the Braves and the Marlins, and he would always whine, "Oh man, we're going on this killer road trip. You know, 14 days away from the house. 14 days when I left." New York for the West Coast, I would I would be away for six weeks. So, um, you know, not only do those damn baseball players get all the money, they they get the nice travel. Oh, Fourteen days, shake it off, John. <laughs> well, well come know? on now, Tommy. The, the, a good PBA player is going to make as much as a good baseball player. Yeah, maybe a, a double A baseball player, but double A. You're about right. Now, the, the, back the money in New York. isn't terrible, but it's it's not baseball. Yeah, back in New York, where, where you grew up bowling uh, somewhat competitively, would you say you were somewhat of an action player, uh, and, and did that help you groom yourself for the, the, the trials of the PBA Tour? 
Uh, you know what? Earlier, that you know, as a teenager growing up, you know, between I was like between maybe like fifteen to twenty. You know, I hung around, I hung around the scene a little bit, but you, you know, I had, I had uh, plans of going on tour, and and I was bowling tournaments. Um, I wasn't one of the guys that you know liked to stay up to four in the morning and and the next day, you know, I, it took me two three days to recover. So, you know, by the time I got to college, um, I'm looking to bowl. I was looking to bowl tournaments, and, and my weekends were either bowling a regional as a guest or bowling a college tournament somewhere. Back then, we had, like, huge, huge, huge tournaments here on Long Island um, where I, I discovered that I couldn't, I couldn't be up to 4 in the morning on a Thursday bowling some guy and then by Saturday be ready for a tournament. I was still wiped out. So, uh, you know, the answer to your question is early, yes. But as I got to college and then I joined the PBA, um, not really, no. It, you know, the, the thrill of bowling some guy for a couple hundred dollars and having 200 guys, you know, pull together for 20 bucks, betting on me as a horse, like a horse, never was really appealing to me. Well, Tommy, you talk about the PBA and the World Series of Bowling. They recently released their schedule, and this is the first year there's going to be some web-only telecasts. Uh, I guess with the way the PBA is going and, and some of the uh, financial issues, we could say, where do you see the PBA in five years? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I have no idea. You know, Back when this ownership group uh, took over, they, they don't let us know too much of what's going on uh, in the home office. So... It's pretty much like you know the, the the pro bowlers are on a surfboard riding the wave, and the the ownership is the water. You know we we just have to ride along what's going on. Um, it pretty much left in the dark. Um, maybe that's a better question for the guys that are still on the road. But me being a little bit removed of it, I'm I really have no idea. I'm just more of um, uh, an outside watcher, just like pretty much you guys are. Yeah, it, it's hard to know where the PVA is going to be even in one year, much less five, Tim. Uh, with, it seems every year there's a constant change in their philosophy for tournament play and and qualifying and and the like. Um, I got a question for you because you know Tommy, I'm a ball guy. I've always been a ball guy. I opened my pro shop in 1973 when I was like about 19 years old. Uh, you've long been affiliated and associated with RotoGrip, and we all know they make great products. Uh, are you still with RotoGrip? And if you have or are, I mean. Uh, how has that relationship gone? I have. I was. I was the actually when um, Mr. Crispin bought Rotogrip. Uh, actually, I, how I got to Rotogrip was I was the first um, Dynathane staff member when he bought Dynathane and Rotogrip. Um, they were initially kind of melded together, um, and then when he decided uh, um, to let Dynathane go, Rotogrip took off. Was back when the uh, SG73 was pretty popular, and then. Um, the, probably the, the, one of the best balls of all time that nobody ever knew about. You know, the Blue Retrorotos came out, and, and then the, the company Roto itself took off, and Dynathane was kind of left in the dust. My first title was actually one with the Dynathane ball, um, and that's how I got into the Roto Grip side. I was with Roto Grip before even, you know, Hank and Roger. Um, but after my wrist surgery, I came back as an independent. Uh, Roto Grip and I uh, went different ways. Um, and my last five or six years on tour, I was throwing whatever, uh, whatever I. I you know, kind of liked and whatever I bowled good with. But back at the end, I was still throwing a lot of Rotogrip stuff. And even in my pro shop, I highlighted the Rotogrip brand over some, uh, a lot of the other brands simply because, you know, I was with them so long and I have a lot of, I have a, I have a lot of love for, for Rotogrip, Dexter, and Vice, the three companies that I was with the bulk of my, my PBA career. 
Right. So are you planning on using more Roto-Grip or possibly uh, uh, Phil Cardinale, who, who, you know, was with, you know, track for many years? And I think he might have been affiliated with Dinothane to a certain extent, has a new uh, line of balls called the Slant and Radical. And, and they're, they're pretty good pieces, I'll tell you. We, we've tested them, and they've got some serious giddy-up on the back. Uh, or, or do you prefer to be a freelance? I'm not, you know, I, I'm technically not really a professional bull. I'm in the same boat that you are. I, I operate a pro shop, and I'm there, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, I look at myself as a, as a stockbroker, and as you come to my store, I don't, I don't feel the urge to have to carry every brand on the market. You know, I, as a stockbroker, I pick and choose these bowling balls for my customers like a, a good stockbroker would, would try to pick and, and choose good stocks. I don't, I don't, I try not to carry boat anchors. I don't, I see, my bowling center is very unique. It's one of the last strongholds on, on Long Island, uh, our lanes here in New York. We have dual shift leagues. We have, we're pretty much full at six to nine o'clock, and a lot of these league bowls bowl two or three times a week. I don't want to knowingly sell them a ball that's inferior and, and not be able to look them in the eye. So I try to do my homework. Um, I pay attention to the ball releases, and when, when, when uh, a company sends me a demo ball, you know, I, I test it around a little bit. I want to make sure. That when I bulk order, I'm I'm buying the best ball in that price range, and this way, you know, my customers are getting the best balls on the market. Um, new stuff, you know, when they send me something new, and uh, I can pass it around, and I'm getting the thumbs up from the two or three people that I kind of trust their their judgment, and then I'll bring them in. So, so why don't you share some of the newer products, Tommy? You've thrown that you like, and obviously, it's subjective. It's your opinion. But, uh, again, your opinion is a valued opinion because we know you can execute well. We know you have the ability to read lanes through transition phases. Uh, what balls have kind of impressed you? The, and I, I don't want to uh, just – after we just had the conversation about Rotogrip, but that, that critical theory looks amazing going on the lane. I mean, uh, if, if there's another great high-end ball on the market, uh, I, I haven't seen – I haven't, you know, I can really go with the Nanos. In my store, pretty much everyone in the, in the world probably did. And that theory is, is right in the same line as that. I was pretty impressed with that ball. Um, no doubt about it. That, that it's, uh, any ball that comes out with white, I get a little nervous. So the first time I looked at it, and, <laughs> and um, I saw that ball, and, and I don't know what it is about the pigment and, and the white. It usually makes the ball kind of roll a little early and gag. And it's just, The industry has a bad, bad, bad history with white pigment in balls and for some reason, gray in balls has very limited shelf appeal. Um, so I saw the white, and I got a little nervous. And then uh, I threw my sea ball, and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And I plugged the thumb and passed it on. And um, one of the kids who doesn't even have a lot of hand got it to roll um, up pretty good. And I was pleasantly surprised with that. Um, and then uh, I got the early package, and so they sent me a couple of ones early. And uh, the two that I drilled for customers loved it, so uh, I brought a whole bunch in during the trade show season. You know, and we kind of noticed that as well, Tommy. You know, as good as the ball was on oil or in an oily environment similar to the Nano, it seemed the critical theory on, on some drier patterns or wet dries, side-to-sides, uh, the ball played pretty darn good and retained its energy almost a little easier than the Nano would on some of the patterns. Yeah, it... it there's something to say about, you know, you know, now is the Ferrari ball right now, but the only problem is with the Ferrari, if it rains out or it snows a little bit, you have to put it away. You know, the, the, 
seems like this theory is more like a Camaro kind of thing where you can, you know, you can take it out a little bit of the rain or, or you know, it's still perfect for the sunny day, but the bad weather, you're not going to get stuck. So uh, um, that seems like a little bit more versatile. But if you run to the puddle, I'm sure people are going to race for their nanos and, you know, their, their scuffed raptors and whatever else rolls at the, at the, through the, through the slop of, you know, the, the shark patterns and the 45 feet uh, keggle patterns. So, uh, again, joining us on the Above180.com podcast is Tommy DeLutz, Jr. Tommy, I want to touch base. You said that you guys have two full squads of six and nine league bowlers there. What sort of league shot are you guys putting out? Is it a competitive league shot where people come in and they have to you know, hit a, hit a decent area every night, or is it something that people just like shooting shooting phone numbers every week? Well, our building isn't – isn't. I mean, we, we have a lot of uh, the AMF centers around where if you want to – if you want to add to your jewelry box, you could easily go there. Um, this is, you know, our bowl center is probably one of the tougher ones around. Not by design. It's just a, a, a tough carrying bowling center. And it's just a regular house shot. You find you find a really tough bowling center here on Long Island, then I'll show you a closed bowling center. So there's no places that are that are, are hard on their house shot. But if you wanted a challenge, our center, like here in the summer, does offer the Kegel Pattern League and, and, and you know, more challenging patterns for the, for the guys that want to seek it. But for the most part, you know, you, you don't want the Betty who bowls one lead to come out and, you know, who normally averages 160 for the last 18 years to come out and bowl 140 because you want your center to be a little bit more unique. That's when Betty looks for another place to bowl. That's been the underlying theory for most of the centers around here. All right. So if we can touch base a little bit back on equipment again, since I'm a, I'm a nerdy ball guy. Uh, layouts, Tommy. I, I don't know. Being a ball driller, I'm sure you understand. Uh, you know the theory of layouts, how it affects the shape mm-hmm. of the hook. Do you have certain layouts that just seem to match up to your game? Because I think a lot of good amateur players can relate to your physical game, obviously more than they can Belmonte's. Yeah, I was. You know, I was pretty much one of the essential tweeners on tour, so I I, I didn't. I had some some trick layouts or some layouts that I, that I that I liked, but I mainly had. Um, just groupings of, of equipment. You know, I, I was a tournament bowler. I've been PBA member for a while. You know, I had my, I probably still have them. I still have my, I had my cheap balls. I had my shark balls. And then I had the stuff that were, you know, in the middle and I could use on a variety of equipment. Um, I had stuff that I had drilled and saved that I had in my bag if I wanted to go straight. And then, you know, it, it and then if I wanted to hook it, I had a couple balls just to do that. Um, I never really had one. Uh, I'm not more. I'm not in the, the Duke camp where Norm would have his favorite layout in in every ball he had and try to make that work. Um, you know, it's. I had. A, you know, if it was cheetah pattern, I brought you know six balls in that I that I knew worked good from playing out. And if it was a pattern where I had to play in, I had two or three balls that were drilled already and I had success with that in the past on on those kind of looks and I brought those in. So Tommy, hey, what? Go ahead. I was gonna no, that's all right. I was gonna say, what was your favorite ball then of all time, uh, tour or or uh, beforehand? That's a, that's one of the, the the best questions in bowling, and and, and I like I like ans- asking that question myself. But uh, probably the blue retro roto, um, either that or the black silver streak. Back when I was uh, the early days of, of roto grip, and nobody nobody's throwing those balls. I I always thought I had an advantage because nobody threw the ball. It's such a small company, and people were leery of throwing it. So for all you fans that, that really like the high road, 
you know what, I had it 10 years ago before everybody else. So when my ball was kind of doing things that, you know, you kind of look at it and go, wow, that, that ball reacts pretty good. Well, thank you for not throwing that ball, but I, I had the high road before, way before you guys did, and that was that blue retro roto. So it's nice to have that advantage, isn't it, Tommy, over, over the masses? Oh, could you repeat? I'm sorry. Isn't it nice to have that advantage, or even if it's only a, in the back of your mind, it's an advantage that you have the nut more so than your opponent? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that, I mean, it, it's it's neat. I mean, it's it's sometimes it's an advantage not to be the first kid on the block with a with a new toy because you know you 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 buy one or two or of the newest balls on the bar, block and they turn into an anchor. Well, now you're giving pins away. Once in a while, you'll stumble upon uh, a pot of gold, and you know. now, until everybody catches on. Uh, you've got a, a clear advantage, or you've got a you know a, a minor little edge, and that's all you really need. I mean, look at you know Tony Westlake and, and um, back in the days before everyone knew what an Excalibur was. You know, he had he was throwing a resin ball where people still using your thing. Well, Tommy, last, last advantage helps. Last question we have for you, Tommy: What's in your future? You, you have a successful pro shop up there in New York. You're doing the coaching where people can come by you and do some do video one-on-one, do one-on-one coaching sessions. What what else do you have on the horizon? Um, you know what? I, I love my pro shop. I've been doing pro shop work since, gosh, you know, early 80s since I was in college. You know, I worked for Tita Semez and another gentleman, Bob Lipinski, while I was, while I was in college. And, um, you know, I've been doing it forever. And this is the first opportunity at my own store. Um, I, always, I always said I would never own a store while I was still on the road and you know I, I like to watch it and if I'm gonna put my name above the door I want to be there um, but you know I'm one of the guys that I, I put the 50 60 hours in a week I'm there you know people expect um, to see me when when they walk in um, that my my future is to build my business and and make anybody that takes a lesson with me a lot better um, whether it's by you know one-on-one lessons or they come in and they get in their car and drive 45 minutes for a bowling ball I want to make sure that I give them every opportunity of, of getting better from uh, interacting with me in my store. Well, Tommy, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they are in the New York area or would like to come out, travel, like you said, travel an hour, a couple hours on the East Coast to do a lesson with you? Um, I'm the easiest person to find. Just Google me or just, you know, my website will come up or Facebook or, you know what, email me directly, Tommy Deluce Jr. at AOL.com. And if you're on the East Coast, you know, we could I usually book a week, week and a half in advance. So if you plan accordingly, I'll get you in and you know, use the bowler's map. It's not one of those guys that sit in the front chair and, and say, bend your knee and reach for the sky. Can I have uh, 50 bucks, please? You know, those guys are, uh, are around in every bowling center, and they don't really do much other than make your wall a little bit lighter. You know, and speaking of bowler's map, uh, just so our listeners kind of know what that is, it's a software program that Ebonite developed years ago that works in conjunction with video, and we can do side-by-side uh, frames of, say, that bowler with Tommy Dilutz or or another PBA player and show them on the screen exactly where their swing should be at this step and and the release point. I mean, it just gives you so many more advantages in explaining why certain things need correction in your game and how to fix them. Do you, you, you kind of agree with that, Tommy? You, you couldn't have you couldn't have worded it any better. You know, John Jowdy uh, about a month ago or, or maybe a little more kind of. Haha! <laughs> the uh, all of the use of computers and bowler's map and um, the Snapfish and the Storm system. He goes, you know, but, you know, not saying that, it, you know, his eyes are still work and you know he doesn't need video. Video isn't for us. Video is for the people that we work with. We see 
you know, the, the flaws, but to convey it to the bowler who may not be able to pick what we're trying to um, explain in words up. People are more visual, you know, with all the YouTube and, and computer work and, and great video out there. It's, it's an easy way to, for us as instructors to show you, the student, exactly what we want you to do and what you don't do that 50 of the best bowlers in the world do. We look for commonalities, and then we see that you don't do this the right way, and we kind of show you Tommy Jones does this. Tommy Lou says this, any other Tommy that I could think of does this, that has made a living of it, and you don't do this, how can we get you to, to migrate towards this? Um, it, it's any, any instructor that has video that, and, and one of those three programs um, uses these tools to help the bowlers get better, it, it's, it's such an invaluable coaching tool. It's, it's probably one of the, the best revolutions for, for teaching in, in, in the last 10 or 15 years. Well, on that note, Tommy, we're going to let you get back to coaching. I'm sure it's a very busy day for you, uh, back to coaching or the pro shop. But thank you for joining us, Tommy Deloots Jr. We're going to have to do this again. We can get into into more detail on coaching, into your PBA career, and, and just, uh, again, spend some more time with you because this was a treat. You got it, guys. Thanks for uh, giving me a call, and uh, appreciate your time. And best of luck there, Tommy. Thanks. Thank you.